you can still do it and not feel like you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I think people wait for that uncomfortable feeling to go away or not be there. But also, I feel like especially in today's day and age with a lot of uh, uh, coaching, that there's this like really strong desire to feel a certain level of confidence or to feel worthy of or to feel deserving of before there can be this move to the next level. Mm-hmm. And really being able to step into the place of, I don't actually have to be or feel worthy of to make the decision. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here with me today. And my guest today is Kian Loggie. And we met through, I don't even know, I think his podcast team reached out to me about having him on my show. And then as I started to do some more research and follow him on Instagram, I was really just enamored and impressed with the way that Kian leads in all areas of his life, which is a place of just sovereignty and alignment and flow and just divine truth, which I think from a leadership perspective, we need more of that today in our world. And as we've gotten to know each other, I knew I needed to have him on the podcast. And so in this episode, this conversation is such a beautiful example of what it looks like when you follow the higher calling that you have on your heart, despite 
what your family might think or your friends might think or your coaches might think, just really tapping into true divine emotional sovereignty and what that process looks like. And Kian shares a story about how he had some a tragedy happened in his life that redirected him into a completely new path that caused him to really evaluate his purpose and his mission and what he wanted in life. And as a result of that has led him to a life of alignment and flow and play and excitement and joy and empowerment and inspiration and coaching people at some of the highest highest levels. And so we talk about money and flow, how to make choices based on alignment, shifting family and generational patterns, honoring your soul's calling and letting go of the responsibility that you might have to others, whether that's friends, family, clients, et cetera. It is such an amazing conversation. We could have talked for hours, truthfully. And those are always my favorite conversations when you feel like you could just go down multiple rabbit holes. So my guest today is Kian Lagi, who is a former NFL athlete turned emotional intelligence coach for world-class leaders. And after almost becoming paralyzed during a football injury in the National Football League, Kian was able to start his new journey by looking at life from a completely new perspective. He dove headfirst into understanding what it actually means to live a life of fulfillment while achieving success all along the way. And since making that decision, Kian has personally worked with over 300 people on creating a healthy relationship with themselves. So they're able to really just escape the rat race of the achievement loop and step into a place of achieving massive success and creating impact and generating more wealth from a place of ease. Who doesn't want that? He helps entrepreneurs and business owners regain a deeper connection with themselves to find more fulfillment in their lives. And he has worked with world-class fitness models, professional athletes, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, and C-list executives. Kian works with people all over the world on being able to remove mental, emotional, and physical blockages that are preventing them from reaching their full potential. I loved this conversation and I hope you will too. Let's dive in. Well, Kian, welcome to the Boldly Courageous Podcast. I am honored and excited for this conversation. And in the short time that I've gotten to know you, something that I really just value and appreciate from the content that you share and just who you be in the world is that even though you are this like high-performing, incredibly successful human, you embody this archetype of like chill AF. Like you do not have hustle in you at all, although I know you have in the past and we'll probably get into that. But I think it's so important for entrepreneurs and people who are striving for success to see what embodied flow looks like. And from what I can tell you embody that amazingly. So thank you for the work that you're doing in the way that you show up in the world. Well, first you're welcome. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure being able to embody that. Uh, and thank you for, for acknowledging that. It feels yeah. really good to, to receive that from you. So thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So first question, I, I start off the podcast yes. with uh, the same question for everybody. What is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Oh my gosh. I guess the big one that pops in my head is um, I've spent, and maybe this isn't a lot for some people, but I told myself when I came over here to Europe, I've been in Europe for about two months. I was just going to go all out. I was going to spend all the money uh, that I wanted and not think twice about it. So since I've been here, uh, coming up on two months, about like a month and a half, I think I've spent like $60,000 or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I bought uh, a really, I feel really good about it. This watch right here. 
Oh, that's a Rolex. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. I feel so good about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so bought that. I, I had the inclination to jump back into coaching with, with one of my uh, coaches. So dropped pretty penny on that. And then I've just been spending money like crazy out here. So mm-hmm. to me, as somebody that's, you know, I was a finance major in college. I have saving developed into my DNA. Uh, being able to spend money on luxury for myself, mm-hmm. uh, not because it was a necessity, but because I just desired to have certain levels of luxury that I haven't historically given myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's been very courageous to spend that money on uh, more aesthetic, uh, non-necessity type of things that I've made necessities for myself. So probably that. Mm, I love this. So money mindset is my jam. I love talking about money and abundance and receive and alignment and all the things. So I'm curious, like through that process. Okay. So step one was I'm going to give myself permission to like ball out. Right. What's come up for you through that? Like as you are making that purchase or as you are swiping the card or booking the hotel or just saying yes, what's been the process that you've navigated through in that? Like, I'm sure there's things that have come up, right? What's the lesson in it for you? Yeah. Um, honestly, most of the tension came at the beginning. Right? You talk about the, the terror barrier of really stepping into doing something that I haven't historically done and challenging my programming in that. So a lot of it was more in the first like week, week and a half. Uh, But then even just like buying this watch, uh, it felt just good and in flow. So after the first week and a half, I'm really pushing through that, that uh, barrier that my old programming was attempting to put in place. Uh, It's been actually relatively fun and easy. And it's felt so much like me. It Mm -hmm. It feels like it just feels so uh, good to be able to, to, to do this kind of spending. Cause like I said, I, I haven't historically spent a lot of money on, uh, aesthetics, more of, uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big, big move for me to, to spend money on, on nice clothes and, and, uh, you know, jewelry mm-hmm. and, uh, some of these more aesthetic type of things. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a parallel to that, right. With the coaching that you do, or just experiences that you've been through in your life. It's that, you know, we have this um, belief or judgment around something being right or wrong or good or bad. And it's like, but why, like, where did that judgment come from or whose belief system is that? And what would happen if I stepped over to the dark side? Like, is it really that dark? (laughs) Right. So I'm curious, like, has there ever been maybe another experience similar where maybe you've had that like happen where you've had this belief or this thought or this rigid sort of operating system. And then you kind of went, well, let me try something different. What was the outcome of that? Yeah. I, well, I'll talk about the velocity of money. Uh, and as I've continued to make more and more money, talking about what that experience has been like. And because mm. that seems to be the most relevant thing for me right now in this space with you uh, was being able to keep up with the speed of what it takes to be able to step into greater and greater amounts of money. I think historically I got very good at being able to save and know where my money was going and have it all tracked on a spreadsheet and to be bringing it in, but have it be controlled. Mm, uh, yes stepping out of that place of control where my brain's like, okay, I spent five days last week going out to eat. Okay. Do I want to do this? How much do I want to spend? And really not giving myself permission to go to that place of control, but pushing past it and almost putting my head in the sand intentionally uh, by not paying attention to, to those, those 
thoughts that are trying to keep track mm-hmm. of uh, how much I'm spending and in what capacity. So I know this is just like a different level and different levels require different operating systems. Uh, but this one that I'm at to be able to keep up with the flow of moving in, I have to keep up with the speed of the energy going out and getting comfortable with that. And so for me, that's been the biggest thing is, is not having to control the flow of money going out. And especially too, I'm taking November and December off from work. So I'm going into a time when I'm not working uh, and it really is not facing me, which is pretty funny uh, to think about. So um, keeping up with that new speed and acknowledging that there is this desire to want to slow it down when it really wants to speed up because I desire to, to have more and to make more and uh, it has to speed up if I, if I want it. So it's cool to observe that and see that and uh, jump on board down the river and uh, observe how it just kind of keeps coming back. And it feels kind of weird that it does at this mm-hmm. speed. Well, that's embodiment, right? I was having this conversation um, with a friend of mine who's a, a business coach and she's just hit like consistent month over month, $100,000 months, right? And we were talking about launches and this, like kind of what you were just saying about the rigidity around like, okay, I need to make this amount of money. So I have to sell this many clients at this price point. And she was like, no, when I think about that version of me that is the embodied wealthy woman. Like she doesn't think that way. She doesn't think in terms of spreadsheets and control and analytics. No, she thinks of embodying the the transformation that she's providing and the money becomes a magnet for that. It just kind of like flows in. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you're somebody who embodies this flow state, right? But it seems like this one little piece wasn't really clicking. Like you were still holding on to some sort of rigidity or some control and some programming, which I think with money, like it goes hand in hand, right? It's like math, (laughs) math makes Mm -hmm. sense. Right. And there is some rigidity behind it, but it's more about um, like the energetics behind how it comes in and how it goes out. Right. And I would imagine that by allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to play and to experience pleasure and joy and adorn yourself with things that make you feel good, that as a result of that, your frequency shifts, you feel more excited, more creative, And then therefore, when you show up in service, you're more aligned, you're more present, and you just naturally attract clients that want to pay you for the secret sauce of how do you get to have this beautiful watch and eat whatever you want and live this amazing life and make it look so easy. Like I got to got, I got to get what you have and then money just flows in. Right. So I would imagine that even though you, your output might feel more than normal and even taking those two months off the creative flow and then what's going to come from that will be even more and maybe you've experienced that I don't know if you want to share yeah absolutely I have experienced that and and it's 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 almost odd because it's like I'm at this point where I'm exerting so little effort (laughs) that it almost feels dealing with the feeling of the discomfort of continually receiving when I'm not exerting effort so really that that's really everything I talk about and, and preach is just going deeper into a place of effortlessness. Mm. And so it's interesting to observe just as you go deeper and deeper into these uh, levels of dealing with different things, right? Dealing with the feelings associated with receiving more when I'm not doing nearly as much as I've done in the past that I thought that I needed Mm. to do to get that level of receiving, Mm. right? So it's sort of odd uh, experiencing those feelings and dealing with them, but it's really cool to experience them 
at the same time uh, and to be able to walk other people through that as well as it happens with them. So. Yeah. I I had a coach that, um, she was a mindset coach and she used to tell me the less I work, the more I make. And my brain would like short circuit. (laughs) I couldn't think I'm like, how, what, how is that possible? Um, and what you're, it's just an embodiment thing. It's And also I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know for me, um, similarly, like the, the, I think a lot of women struggle with this too. I'm going in multiple directions right now. I'm a verbal processor. So sometimes I just like all over the place. Uh, I have like five thoughts in my brain. Um, But what I was going to say was, I think some of the things that women struggle with a lot is like this ability to like receive, right? Like really receive without there being this feeling of obligation or guilt or like um, something that I'm navigating more is like this nuance between receive energy and rely energy. Like, I don't want to rely on you, but I want to receive you. But this feels like I'm relying on you, right? So like Mm -hmm. the nuances of that, but this whole idea of like work less makes make more makes me used to make me feel like I'm not doing enough and therefore I'm not worthy of receiving abundance. Like it doesn't feel like my energetic output is matching the financial input that's coming in because it's based on old programming. Like the old programming was I got to be busy versus productive. And I think what I'm hearing you say, and I think a lot of these really like rooted, tapped in, aligned entrepreneurs understand is that it's not about being busy because busy can waste your time. It can burn you out and it can actually not move the needle. But productive is knowing what your zone of genius is and only doing that thing. And so if your zone of genius takes you an hour a day and yields you the results that 15 hours a day used to yield you, why would you feel guilty about that? But there's drama that goes on in your brain, right? So that's my, those were my five thoughts into one. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was really good. That was articulated, very organized. So thank you for sharing that. And for me, it's like, as I've gone deeper into this effortlessness, my tolerance for effort has gotten lower and lower. So for me, it's been really cool to observe that about myself as well, is that as I continue to receive in greater and greater capacities through this different operating system, Mm. uh, I'm noticing that my tolerance for the other operating system that that I used to operate under, and, you know, still to to some extent, I'm sure as I go deeper into it, those pieces will get revealed. But uh, my tolerance just gets lower and lower for effort. And it's Mm. so cool to observe that and see that like if I have to exert any effort into something that isn't my zone of genius I'm like ah, I don't got time for this how do I distribute this like how do I get rid of this how do I or do I even need to do this uh let me so it's it's really cool to to observe that as I've received more and more in this new operating system mm. noticing how my uh belief in it my unconscious belief in it is getting stronger and stronger so mm. that's really cool to observe yeah I love that and I think it's like once you, you start to have a lot more awareness of what's happening in your body, right? Like the note, the feeling of like, does this feel expansive or does this feel restrictive? And what's the story that I'm creating around it? And also like, who am I robbing from sharing their gifts? This was something I had to work through big time when I actually got to a point where I wanted to hire an assistant. I was like, well, I can do this myself. Like, why would I pay somebody you know, and I had to work through my own money stuff around what is my time worth and like my zone of genius. But I also realized that by not 
outsourcing the things that felt restrictive to me, I was robbing somebody else of something that felt expansive to them. And so I was blocking my own flow of abundance and keeping myself in busy and then robbing somebody else of their gifts as well. And I was like, wow, I'm really just screwing everybody over in this scenario. Like (laughs) this is backwards. Right. Um, So I love that you shared that because I think a lot of times people, you know, get stuck in the belief that even though it doesn't like, like that they have to force themselves to do things that they don't enjoy, you know, for the sake of their business or for money, but there is an easier way, right? There's definitely a better way. So for that person, maybe that's listening and going, well, it's great that you're like gallivanting around the country and like buying nice watches and like in flow state and you work whatever, like one hour a day, that's great for you, but I'm not there. Can you like back the truck up a little bit and maybe go back to a point in time where maybe you were kind of in that place of like, how the hell do I even get to this place of what I would call home, like balance, harmony. Like, it seems like you have a lot of harmony. So how do you even like, what's the first step? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll share what really got me off the ground uh, was being able to, uh, I I have a coach who uh, has been doing what I do for quite a while now. And the greatest gift that he gave me was creating space for me to tap into my own deeper sense of inspiration of how I wanted to run my business. You know, I've been surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs. I have a lot of incredible friends that uh, are in the coaching space that are in the digital marketing space that are in the uh, programs, online programs uh, space, and I've gotten millions of different forms of input from them on what to do, how to run my business, how to go about things. And I'm sure if, if there's anybody listening to this, they probably have some level of understanding of a lot of the different modalities of how to be able to run your business and in, in different ways that you can, whether that be through you know, paid ads or, or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or all these different forms of, of, of marketing. He gave me the space to be able to take a step back from all of that and really tap into what felt the most aligned to me. Uh, and how I wanted to, to run my business and really just created that space for that awareness to come through. And then obviously there were some bits and pieces of questions that I had surrounding uh, how to run this business. Cause like I said, he'd been doing it for a while. Uh, but most of it was him creating the space for me to tap into my deeper sense of inspiration. And I had a lot of people saying, uh, don't do work for free. Um, don't, uh, you need to understand what your time's worth. So you need to make sure you're charging this certain amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the truth is, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach. So I'm sure there's some people that, that are coaches that are listening to this. But if you're just starting, the most important thing is to get reps. Uh, I would probably not, most of the time not recommend just quitting your job out of nowhere <laughs> and, and getting into coaching and relying on it. You can. That's what I did. And <laughs> all I, in on all in. <laughs> right. I, 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 t- I tend to I tend to do that. Uh, I like to do that, but for anybody that's starting, I would not recommend doing that uh, because it can put you into more of a place of scarcity when you're trying to build your business initially. And it's tough, like coaching business is hard to to build and it's hard to deliver a good product when you're in that space to people. Um, But really it's, it's getting reps and getting on calls with people. Cause I see a lot with coaches that, that come to me that have had a lot of these different business coaches. They'll they'll say, they're like, yeah, I'm trying to charge what I'm worth and I'm, I'm not accepting anything less but I don't have very many clients and my confidence is getting lower because I'm not really getting any more experience. Mm -hmm. So one of the most powerful things for me was 
just trying to get people on calls for me to build momentum mm -hmm. and to get better at my craft, uh, whether that was, you know, friends and family uh, or people that, that I reached out to just to do a free call. Uh, that was one of the, the big things for me. And, and as maybe I didn't get paid, but I would feel incredible because it's fucking awesome at what I was doing at the time. Uh, my momentum would pick up and I'd be in a higher vibration. And when I was yes. in that state, I'd attract different situations that led to different opportunities that led to high paying clients that led to incredible referrals. So it's not necessarily at the beginning about trying to make as much as possible, uh, but more so getting reps to build the uh, confidence mm -hmm. to be able to then to charge more as time goes on. Uh, but then again, there's this huge nuance that everybody needs to be making 10 K months right away. I think it's just stupid. Uh, it's getting in the way of people actually being able to become uh, incredible coaches. And it just puts pressure on people to think they, that's something that you should be doing right away. Um, but it takes away from the sanctity and the value of the industry. I think, and there's something really to be said about being able to put the time in uh, to become something and to get the reps and to be okay with where you're at. And I think a lot of people actually would, but you know, there's all these marketers and advertisers telling people that they sh they're, they're not okay mm. and they shouldn't be where they're at. Uh, but there's a lot of power in being able to own that beginning season uh, of it and just getting the reps and getting on calls and being able to get experience and receiving in that currency. Uh, I always say it's, being able to receive in the currency of referrals and experience allow for space to emerge for you to make more of the currency financially. Mm. Uh, so you're receiving in so many other currencies, normally in the beginning part of your business and being able to be okay with that uh, can lead to greater levels of receiving currency in the other way. Now there always hits a point where there's no longer use for that season, right? Where you've received enough, and now you're ready to start to receive more money. And that's when you can take that next step and you know, hire somebody and, and help you be able to work past that. But really being able to tap into your deeper sense of inspiration, being okay with being a beginner and doing some of those beginner type stuff to gain the confidence and receiving in those other currencies to then begin to get better at what you're doing and then to start to receive more in the financial mm -hmm. currency. So that that's present for me right now. Yeah. It's so valid. And I love that you talked about, you know, the at bats. Cause I, one of the things I used to do, I was in network marketing for seven years and I would talk about batting averages. I'm like a, a professional baseball player that has a batting average of, you know, 300 gets paid millions of dollars and strikes out seven times. Right. So like, keep that in perspective, you know, that you're going to get a lot of no's before you get the yeses, but the yeses are going to be the thing that drives your confidence and your business and your paycheck. Right. But what I'm hearing you say is like, not everybody's going to start off in the major leagues. Like you got to start off with little league T-ball, <laughs> right? And you can't skip those steps. But also what I'm hearing is it's, it's not just about the, the at-bats or the charging. It's actually being a vibrational match for that thing. And if you don't feel confident in what you're charging, then when someone has an objection, you're actually going to manifest the objection you're going to manifest the objection because you don't physically feel in your body that you are a $10,000 a month coach. So what is the process? What is the thing that's going to allow you to feel like you are vibrating at that level? And, um, you know, the, the whole idea of like return on investment is something that I'm like, I geek out on. Right. And I think this is so important when people are thinking about um, hiring a coach or how they spend their time or their money. And even like what you were talking about in the very beginning about, 
spending whatever you want and buying the watch and the clothes and the food, there's a return on that investment. It's an investment, right? That you're getting. Yeah. Catch him in there too. Uh, is that it's really cool that I've developed this association with spending or things that I feel inspired to spend on is that regardless of what I'm spending money on, if I'm spending money on two glasses of wine or three glasses of wine or, or you know, six glasses of wine at, at the, at a restaurant <laughs> and, uh, or I'm spending money on going and seeing uh, uh, something at a museum with a couple of friends. Uh, every dollar that I spend, I have an association with it as being an investment in some way. Mm. It's an investment. It's an investment, regardless of what it is. And regardless if I can see how that will come back to me or not with my conscious mind. Mm. So being able to develop that kind of trust with spending knowing that in some way it's an investment. I don't really know how, but it is, whether that be in a relationship or, or financially or uh, in some form of experience to get me more of what I want in some way, uh, developing that relationship with the spending, you know, that's, a, that's a, maybe a, la- a later level for, for some people um, can be a really, really, really powerful thing. Mm. It's been a powerful thing for me. Yeah. I mean, there's several ways that you can get a return on your investment, but most of us have been trained to think of it as either time or money, right? Okay. If I invest in this coach and it's $15,000, am I going to make $15,000 back? Well, you might not, but you're going to learn skills that are going to make you 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, or you might meet somebody through a mastermind that can introduce you to a person or a thing, or it's going to build confidence, right? So you're going to learn a skill. You're going to meet people. You're going to have an experience, Um, so I love that you shared that because I think it is important for us to think about the way that we co-create, you know, with our money and feeling the difference in your body between, am I spending or am I investing? You know, like I remember, um, there was a time in my life where I had lost my job and I was six figures in debt and on the verge of bankruptcy and depressed and judging myself. And so I would have these days in upstate New York where it was like cold and rainy out and it was fall. And I'm like, this sucks. I'm miserable. I'm going to go to target. And I would like blackout on, I don't even know what I would leave target spending $300 with shit that I didn't need. And I was just spending money trying to fill an energetic void that I thought would make me feel better. And like the dopamine hit would wear off three weeks later and I would be right back where I was. There was no return on that investment in the long run, you know? And so I started looking at like, okay, in my body, I'm, I'm spending money from a place of lack and scarcity and anxiety and depression and sadness and not feeling whole versus like, to your point, like, okay, I'm going to go to this museum or I'm going to buy this watch and I'm doing it from a place that feels expansive and exciting and like, like pleasurable and self-honoring. Right. So like the nuances between those two things, I think is really important. And I think you did a great job of kind of like sharing that, but something I want to, I want to talk about relationships for a second, because we were talking about receiving and like the feminine and all that. And I had this, um, I had this conversation the other day with a friend of mine talking about dating and I would, I, I was navigating through like mindset drama. I'm like, I like this, this idea of rely versus receive. Right. And I was like, if a guy takes me out to dinner and it's like eight times in a row and he's paid every single time, like I start to feel guilty. Like I should pay. And she was like, no, first of all, no. Second of all, no. She was like, just receive it. But one of the things that she said, and I'm going to make this point because it goes back to what you were saying. She was like, when I started dating my partner, he made it very clear to me that he was in, this was an investment that he was making in his future partner. 
And there's a financial component that goes along with that. Like I'm investing time, I'm investing money, I'm investing effort, I'm investing space, right? Because ultimately you see the vision that you want for your life is a strong woman, a great partner. And so there's an investment that goes along with that. And part of that is money. And I think women miss that part. At least I did. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Great, I'm an investment, right? Um, But I think it's interesting when you start looking at how you use your money and the different things that you can invest in, like relationships can be a big part of that as well. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. So one of the things that I'm curious about for you, because you, we had talked a little bit about um, like when we did our like pre-call was like emotional sovereignty and like getting to this place of like regulation in the body. So when it comes to like the decisions that you make in terms of what feels in alignment, what doesn't, and then being able to communicate that to other people, how do you get to a place of like sovereignty within yourself from a decision-making process? Cause it sounds like that coach gave you some permission to do that, but now moving forward, I'm sure there's a lot of decisions that you have to navigate on a regular basis that maybe other people don't agree with or don't like. So how do you come to that place of like sovereignty within yourself? Mm. Well, first, I think it's important to define emotional sovereignty and what it means for anybody listening. Uh, Emotional sovereignty is the ability to be able to make a decision independent of the thoughts, feelings, and concerns of people and society around you. So your capacity to really operate from a place of doing what you deeply know is correct for you, separate from other people and society's opinion of it. So that's the definition of it. As far as your capacity is, I'll make it personal for me, as far as my capacity to operate in that place at a higher and higher level, it was being able to, probably the first thing for me, step one was being able to completely, and this is sort of cliche, but to completely challenge and shatter my belief system surrounding almost everything. Mm. Uh, In order for me to be able to really understand what I want and what I desire and tap into what many people call intuition, I think it's important to be able to, to some extent, shatter who I once was. It was important for me to be able to do that. It's difficult to tap into a deeper sense of voice and knowing when all you've known is one voice. Mm. So if you can tap into shattering that voice and doing things in a lot of different ways than I had historically done, it allowed me to clear out some of the shit Mm. that was getting in the way of me being able to recognize my voice compared to the voices that have been placed upon me throughout my life. So that can be very uncomfortable. (laughs) And that can feel very unstable and it can feel like the whole world's caving in because it basically is you're, you're, I was shattering uh, who I believe that I was. So there's not a lot of stability in that, but Mm. through the instability of doing that, of of shattering a lot of the old beliefs uh, by doing things opposite uh, than I had historically done them, it allowed for the shit to clear out. And for that communication, for what I desired to get stronger. And the irony is that in that is that I did have a desire to shatter it. So in me shattering it, there was a desire to, to do things completely different. Uh, when I moved to Miami from, from uh, South Dakota, I took on a whole new identity. I kept some of the old South Dakota good old boy in me, but I also did a lot of other stuff that wasn't conducive to that. 
And uh, that's where my relationship with myself really started to get better and better was me following the desire to shatter my previous set of beliefs by doing things different than how I thought they should be done. And uh, it allowed for that voice of understanding inside of me to get stronger, which allowed me to then take action on that voice. And through being able to take action on that voice consistently and seeing the positive benefits of doing that allows for there to be a greater level of separation between other people's thoughts, opinions, and beliefs for me, because I've developed a greater sense of confidence in my own voice. How did you know, like what point, where were you at in your life where you realized like, okay, something's not right. Cause I would imagine you must've gotten to a point where you were like, I'm not happy. Or there had to be a catalyst for you wanting to make this change of like this old paradigm and these other people's like ways of being isn't working for me. So what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, it the catalyst was, I ended up getting all the way to the NFL and I had a neck injury to where I could never play again. And that neck injury was the catalyst for me that knocked me out of football forever that created space for a whole chunk of the pie to be open for me to be like, wow, who I thought I was a whole chunk of that pie is gone. What do I really want to do with my life now that this thing is gone that I said that I was going to do since I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So really that space that that injury created was a catalyst for me. And I think right now, especially, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, right? There's a, a woman that I work with, her name is Christine Hassler, and she has a book called Expectation Hangover. And it's like this idea of like, we thought this one thing was going to go this way and then it doesn't. And we go into like this hangover effect of, well, then who am I if I'm not that thing, right? So I would imagine right now, a lot of people are probably feeling that with, um, you know, job, job losses and their, their freedoms being taken away. And I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole on that, but like, we don't need to, you know, name it. We all, we're, we're all feeling it. Right. And so what I think is so interesting is that, um, you kind of have a choice, right? You can either stay stuck in that messy unknown, or you can do something completely different. And that's exactly what you did. So for that person that maybe is in that place of like, okay, I recognize that like the thing I thought I was going to get isn't happening. I got to create something new. What do you do in your environment? Like, how do you set up an environment for yourself? That's actually going to support that type of work. Cause I would imagine like, I mean, it sounds like you moved to Miami, but I would imagine being in the same container that supported the old version of you wasn't really supportive of a new version. So what were some of the things maybe aside from just moving that you were able to do to set yourself up for this new paradigm of living and, and belief? Ooh, you know, that's actually relatively difficult for me to answer because I'm sure to some extent I was capable of creating change, staying in the place that I was in, but not to the magnitude that I desired. Uh, I desired this, this huge magnitude of exploration and completely stepping into a different identity, an identity that allowed me to understand what my heaven on earth was. And I got that from reading a book called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. And he talks about this heaven on earth. So I want the best of everything for myself. 
and for the people around me. And I don't know if everybody has that desire. So for me, there was no other choice. I, I wasn't capable of expanding the way that I wanted to by staying in that current environment that I was in. So I, 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 it's hard for me to go there mentally because that in itself, like getting out in a different environment was the thing that really created the space for me to be able to create the change that I wanted to make. Now, if you're married and you have kids, you know, that, that creates more restrictions for yourself. And if you don't have a job in another location or your location independent, that also creates some restrictions for you too. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if I can speak to that because I can speak to people that want an incredibly life-changing transformation. And that's the fastest, easiest way to do it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a decision, right? I think a lot of people sit in there, all the reasons why they can't versus getting into the energy of why they must, or they have to, you know? And, um, I know for me, like any major change has always been on the heels of major chaos, like, like a life move or a change that, you know, you realize, okay, in order for me to grow to this next level, like it's going to get messy. Things are going to fall apart. Like you were saying, in order for them to fall together. And, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you, even though you were on the path, you already had some awareness of like, what is an aligned decision for me? Like you had that vision and you were willing to like burn the boats and go all in on that. And the result has been like traveling Europe and impacting lives. And, and, um, and, and I'm sure on some level, giving um, people in your inner circle, at least from that period of your life, a, a glimpse into what is actually possible. And so I'm curious, and if it's, you, you don't have to go there if you don't want to, but um, how, how has that impacted like generational patterns? Like, is, are you, have you kind of like shifted the generation of your family? Is this, or is this like, you know, what, what's kind of the story there? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's been worth all of the tension that I've sat in of making big time changes, seeing the incredible change and transformation in my family. And I was the catalyst for that. And that feels incredible to be able to say, uh, you know, but it, it, it takes a certain level of understanding that it's not your job to change your family or your friends. And I think that's been one of the biggest things for me is, is being able to go to greater levels of not having responsibility mm. for my family, not having responsibility for my friends in that capacity. And, and I feel there's many entrepreneurs that do take on that burden and do take on that responsibility to be the change, to be the catalyst. Uh, and now you can do that, but it's going to be easier for you if you don't take on the burden of it and allow it to be more of a byproduct rather than an intentional thing. Mm. And I've gone deeper into that, not just with my family, but also with my clients, actually not, uh, embodying the energy of not being responsible for them mm. uh, has allowed them to be bought into ways that, that uh, I couldn't imagine. Like I don't have cancellations. Yeah. I don't have no payments. <laughs> like I don't have those things. And I believe it's come from um, a huge place of being able to let go of the responsibility yes. for their transformation, which is sort of a, a paradox in itself. Uh, Cause many coaches and, and uh, teachers, do take on that burden, that responsibility. And that sometimes that causes us to 
squeeze the frog a little too tight where, uh, you know, the guts squirt out the bottom and the eyes pop out. Uh, and that doesn't leave space for them to come to you either. Yes. And so for me, being able to let go of, of responsibility uh, or step into the energy associated with not being responsible for my friends, not being responsible for my family, uh, not being responsible for my clients has actually allowed there to be greater levels of change and transformation in all of them. So it can feel a little scary to maybe hear that, but for anybody listening, it's been incredible to see the transformation, in all of them through me exerting way less effort. And like I said, you know, a lot of it has to do with me trusting that effortlessness and not having tolerance for effort. So doing more doesn't really appeal to me very much. And as a byproduct, it's allowed for me to do less and more transformation to happen with the people close to me and that have chosen to invest in me. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I know I've struggled with that too. And especially coming from a network marketing background, there's a network marketing is like the perfect business for codependency. Cause it's like, Oh, I can help you. I can solve your problems. Right. And I saw this, I think, uh, Mark Groves shared this meme on Instagram. He's uh, at create the love. He's like one of the coolest, um, relationship coaches. He said, codependency is me working on your problems harder than you do. And I think mm -hmm. you see this a lot in the coaching industry of like, I can fix you. It's like a savior mentality. Right. But the, the, like, to your point, it's like, it's not your job. Your job is to be the example and the space holder and allow them to step into, like, they get to decide, like you get the choice to meet me where I'm at or not. It's up to you, but mm -hmm. I'm going to hold the space for you to do that. And I think, um, breaking generational patterns is one of the most challenging jobs on the planet, right? Because it kind of goes back to what I was sharing earlier about like the idea of outsourcing by if you had not made that decision and you decided to stay in your environment because of your family, you actually would be doing them a disservice, right? You think that you're helping them, because you want them to, to rely, you want to be supportive and you want to help them and you can feel compassion or empathy or whatever it is for their situation. But sometimes that's the thing that's actually keeping them stuck. <laughs> right. And by you making that decision gave them an invitation into a choice of how they wanted to live their life. And so you become the example, right? I was having this conversation too, with one of my girlfriends who's a coach and she was like, some people like to meet their clients where they're at. I say, I want my clients to raise up to where I am. And I'm like, damn, that's so good. And it's exactly, you know, when it comes to family stuff, it's obviously a lot more layered than that, right? Because there's emotions and family and all these expectations and beliefs, but it takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, so I just want to acknowledge you for that. That's amazing that you did that. But also for anybody listening, like if you are in that place of like, making that choice, like think about if you don't, what would happen, but if you do what's possible and who can come along on that journey with you. Right. That's, that's why we coach. That's why we get into the industry that we're in. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I also want to say this too, is that there's going to be tension. Like there's going to be all that discomfort. You know, I, I think I can sometimes make things look easy and people have said that, and I would say that's absolutely because of my ability to be able to make decisions independent of the discomfort that I'm experiencing mm -hmm. and the relationship that I've been able to have with it. 
uh, and to be able to make it a little more fun, playful thing. I experience anxiety before I do something really big or new. Like I experienced that. Yeah. Now sometimes I can I can really sit into it and laugh and laugh with it and be like, ooh, holy shit, this is intense. <laughs> what? Yeah. Holy, ooh, here we go. Oh my gosh. Ooh. So I had to sit <laughs> what and was, play with it. What was the last time you felt that? When was the last time you felt that? Oh my gosh. So I uh, I felt it two times. So I went cliff jumping off off a <laughs> 45, 45 foot cliff. I don't know if that's you know, there might be some big extreme cliff jumpers out there, but 45 feet was high for me and uh <laughs> i just remember beforehand just freaking the fuck out i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm doing this but in my head i knew i was doing it you know yeah. i'm like so i'm like i know i'm doing it so let me just play with it and let me have fun with it and and swear and and express my my scaredness and and really share it and just get it mm-hmm. out and allow and allow myself to play in it and, and mm-hmm. allow it to actually be part of the experience yeah right and, and being able to establish that kind of relationship with it Right. You, you go on a, a big date with somebody that you're really nervous about, like really just allowing that to be part of the experience. Yes. Right? Stepping into this, this uh, leaving the home for the first time and going somewhere completely different, mm-hmm. allowing that, that anxiety to be part of the experience and, and acknowledging that it will be part of the experience. And as you continue to, to move throughout your life and becoming more emotionally sovereign and getting more incredible things, you're going to have to deal with that mm-hmm. at, higher and higher levels. So if you can just acknowledge that that's going to be part of the experience, it allows there to be a shift in the perspective of it uh, to not be something that's like a hindrance and yes. that's preventing you from, from doing anything, but more so making that decision in your, in your mind and then being able to play with it and have fun with it. Uh, yeah. And even if you can't, that's also okay. Uh, but just being able to grasp that it's going to be there. It will be present whenever you're making a big decision in your life, regardless of where you're at. Then we can start to have a little more fun with it. Yeah. I know I've had those experiences. I'm like, fuck, this means I have to do it now. Fuck. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling this way. Like, damn it. If I didn't feel this, it wouldn't be for me, but because I do like, Oh, fine. Okay. Fine. (laughs) Yeah. You just know you're like, I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it. Oh my gosh. I'm going to do it. I'm really going to do it. Yeah. Holy really. shit. I did. I did that with this watch too. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I, I'm like, I just bought a nice, I'm about to buy a nice car, like a really nice car on my wrist. I'm like, what the really? I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Like this is crazy. It. Yeah. I'm, and I'm I deserve it. That. Here we go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. You know? And, and I also want to say this too, is you can still do it and not feel like you deserve it. Mm. Right. You can still do it and not feel like you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I think people wait for that uncomfortable feeling to go away or not be there. But also, I feel like especially in today's day and age with a lot of uh, uh, coaching, that there's this like really strong desire to feel a certain level of confidence or to feel worthy of or to feel deserving of before there can be this move to the next level. Mm-hmm. And really being able to step into the place of, I don't actually have to be or feel worthy of to make the decision. Mm. I can still yes, do it. I can right? yes. be able to step into that. And, and actually through that can emerge greater levels of feeling uh, worthy in a sense. So it's not like, necessarily waiting to work it out, but allowing it to be present and then still making the decision anyway. It's like video games. <laughs> 
So you master that first level and you're like, I'm awesome. And then you get to the next level and you're like, I suck. <laughs> uh, but you're still worthy of going all the way to the castle and getting, you know, Zelda or what, whoever it is that you're rescuing <laughs> in that video game. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours. We could probably have you back for a part two. I want to be respectful of your time. But for those people that are loving this conversation, they, you know, they're ready to evolve. They're ready to leave, you know, the comfort of their home and they want to get into your vortex and your energy. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can contact me through my website, but probably the fastest way to be through Instagram. I'm sure Melissa will put the, the spelling of those in the show notes, but it's kian.loggy on Instagram. Spelling will be there. And kianloggy.com is, is my website. So those are probably the best two modalities. Amazing. Thank you for this conversation and for your time while you're gallivanting around Europe and buying nice watches and drinking great wine and going to museums. I'm living vicariously through your stories. Um, okay, last question. And you can go any direction you want with this and as big as you choose. What are you celebrating right now? Oh my gosh, what am I celebrating right now? Oh, that question's so exciting. My life, my life is fucking incredible. My life is fucking incredible. And, I, and like, I feel that so deeply. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for my life. Mm. I'm so fucking thankful for my life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you for your light in this world and your gifts. And if you guys love this episode, make sure you share it, tag someone that needs to hear it. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.